people of the internet, how do? I'll do that again because I slurred over the word internet. <laughs> people of the internet, how do? I'm the Epking Guy, this is the Epking Show, and it's time to play the world's favourite fun-filled nihilistic role-playing quiz show about the end of the world. Back your bags, we're heading into the sunset for another Armageddon vacation. Today's guest is another legend from the British wrestling scene. He's been around the block, down the road, over the hill, far away, overseas, up the creek, under pressure, rich and famous, and then back down to the local kebab shop. He's Sunset Skip. Absolutely. Thank you, man. What a brilliant intro. Uh, I think the over the hill, back over again, is uh, probably the best way to describe me at the minute. And definitely a few trips to the kebab shop to get that protein as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you retired yet and then come back? Uh, So how many times? I've never officially quite unquote retired but when i emigrated uh i presumed that was it and then six months later i found wrestling in dubai and uh carried on wrestling so i never officially said i'm done but um i did write on my wrist tape what i'm pointing to my watch uh i did write on my wrist tape that it was uh my final match i did the date of my first and last match at the time but yeah that was it i never never officially went yep i'm done because I don't know. I find it a little melodramatic. So, give us a brief history of yourself. When did you first get into wrestling? Like watching it and then finding uh, so it. So, I first got into wrestling when I must have been eight, nine, and it was my uh, grandparents that got me into it. It was uh, my granddad. I was around staying with them, and um, I remember watching it one night, and I remember seeing Hercules crushing some job guy. And I thought, this is awesome. And then watched it for a while, uh, stayed loving it. And the I can actually remember the match that hooked me. And it was Brian Pillman and Jushin Liger from uh, Super Bowl 92. And it was because there was this just incredible comic book character looking wrestler. And this, you know, Adonis wrestler as well. Absolutely tearing up, doing stuff which I'd only ever seen in comic books before. So... That's an incredible match. That was the one they were expecting to be like this big high-flying affair. And it was just technical ground based yeah just wonderful so give us uh your first match or leading up to the first match what so did you my, train and um... my <laughs> my first ever match so you're you know this probably is as well as i did so uh i started out i initially went to a couple of training sessions uh based over in oxfordshire way but that was this was before i drove so it was impossible to get there so i found training in uh drop kicks that's where we met 20 it's got to be 20 years ago 20 21 years ago now which yeah, is, is terrifying and then after uh training there for the better part of a year had my first match uh had a handful of royal rumbles where i was cannon fodder and it was i loved it i mean 19 year old me thought being cannon fodder in these rumbles was the absolute epitome of what i wanted to do in wrestling so to be able to go on from there 20 years later and actually have quite a fun and enjoyable career and then my first formal match was an absolute disaster. So it was uh, it became the thing of absolute notoriety for a long time. But hopefully I've redeemed myself since then. <laughs> was it the one at your call? It was indeed. You know, that's a place to make the debut, though. Can you imagine? Like, thinking about that now, one of the most prestigious venues in not wrestling, but actual British entertainment. And then 19-year-old me with no gear, no idea, goes out there and just stinks the place up to high heaven. It's... Yeah, it's, it took a long time for me to get over that, actually, because like, it just it hurt so much thinking, yeah, I really, really messed up there, so I really should have done an awful lot better. And I should have probably had a bit more wherewithal than to have myself put in that position. But at 19 and being super eager, you just kind of go with, go with the flow, don't you? how exactly did that come about (laughs) was it just that they asked you and you went yeah sure yeah exactly that i think i was asked can you be here at this time at this place and i said yes as uh, as most things pop up like that so yeah uh right place wrong time i suppose so was that like the lowest point in your career yeah i would say it probably is um (laughs) what a way to go you know it only went uphill from there but um that was definitely something where i was kind of yeah i thought you know things can only get better and i think they did from then on in if that's your low light what's your highlight what's the biggest point um i'd say oh god 
the three that immediately jump out was having a steel cage match in uh, 2012 against uh, Cruz, who was a good friend at the time, one of my mentors. And we went from having a wrestling in front of an audience, about 40 half-interested people, and then he and I built this feud up, then turned to 60, 70, 80. And then over the course of a year and a half, we went from kind of 40 half-interested people in the leisure center to selling the place out. I think we had about 400 in for that. And a steel cage match is the match that everybody in wrestling has always wanted to do. It's the ultimate match that, you know, we've always wanted to do. So that was definitely a highlight. And then the other ones were uh, the first ever UBW show winning the tournament for that. Being so closely involved in the uh, inception of that company was a big thing. And then uh, 2016, uh, performing in front of WWE Talent Relations over in Dubai. So I had some cool, cool things which I uh, achieved over the years. Who was there for that one? Like, who was our representative? Uh, it was Canyon Seaman and uh, actual office representative. So they didn't have any uh, wrestling talent per se. This was the first part ahead of their big uh, public one. They had publicly promoted one they had at Dubai Opera House. So this was almost like the, the first phase for it. All right, looking for local talent. for Yeah, pretty much. And it was quite funny how it happened because I got a, a text from the guy who was running wrestling in Dubai and he said, oh, you available to come down for it? And I thought, they're not really after me. You know, I'm, I'm bald and I'm in, in my early 30s and I'm Caucasian. So in the Middle East, I'm kind of the last person they'd be looking for, but went down and had a chance to speak with the talent relations people. And that was really good just to kind of exist on that radar for an evening was was really cool yeah it's, it's always pretty special to get that stuff definitely. especially where you you're actually in that position to do it in that country as well yeah definitely and we, we really kind of pushed things forward for a short while so it's a shame that it never materialized it's kind of been some of the people who were involved in it beforehand have now really kicked it into life again but at that point we had uh there was negotiations with tv companies we were looking to do a pilot we did shows at like big beach bars and exhibitions and it was really cool and then it just just fizzled out because i think people's personal stuff got in the way of you know the, the real world stop play so to speak um yes if they got like all the money down there they want like the the big names that's it from the local guys that's it yeah there was the uh the shows in qatar were doing that as well they were they had like when we were there they had a big show with uh cody rose alberto del rio john morris and so you know all the all the usual sort of uh xwre guys who were kicking around on the indies at that kind of 2017 period just takes a one money mark to throw it out really oh, isn't geez, it yeah a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> so greatest achievement in wrestling what is the one thing you're absolutely proud of um ooh, that is a big question longevity having a long career is uh is, is probably and stick it like i, I I only ever really wanted to have one match. That was kind of my aim. I want to have a match in an audience and that would be me. So being able to do it, it'll be 20 years in November and, you know, we don't really win the championships, do we? But they're nice to kind of have and think, oh, I was, you know, given this this nod that I was a person to kind of lead this place. But yeah, I think longevity is probably that big thing and kind of creating the wrestling school, which then pretty much the Hertfordshire Bedfordshire scene exploded from so that's quite cool so yeah with longevity did you avoid having any injuries yes um touch wood nothing been, gruesome you can tell about that so. uh, well a couple like I, I don't know if you can see on the video here i've got the scar on my head there and that was from uh when was that 2011 there was um, a rumble and some trainee of some absolute rotter was on the show and i went to give this guy a european uppercut he pulled away, and as he pulled away, I followed through with the uppercut as you do, and my teeth clattered. Sorry, my skull clattered into his teeth, and it ripped a massive chunk of my head open. Like I've, I've got this great big flap of skin open, blood pouring everywhere, and of course, being an idiot wrestler, I'm thinking this is going to look good for camera. And I thought, ah, oh, it's probably just a bit of little skin. And I remember like moving it and thinking, oh, that's a big lump of skin. That's not good. So I rolled out of the ring and I was screaming at the referee, go get me a towel, go get me a towel, go get me a towel. And then Cruz <laughs> comes out to the ring and he's looking for me because we're meant to be doing something to set up like the next month. And he's like, where's Rich? Where's Rich? And he looks over and there's me lying on the, because we were on like a theater set up. So I was the opposite end of the stage where nobody could see me towel to my head and apparently i was in this perfect like angel of blood starfish <laughs> angel of blood thing 
<laughs> just looking at him with absolute murder on my eyes going, it's the guy in the red, go get him. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so after, like, finish the match, because, you know, I'm an idiot, and uh, go back, just chucked on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt to go to the hospital. And the funniest thing was that people looking at me, like, really weird, because I'm wearing, like, pro wrestling boots and a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and i've got my elbow pads and wrist guards and all that stuff on and uh we get straight in and the nurse looks at my head and the first thing i hear from it is oh you've lost a lot of blood cleans me up a couple <laughs> of minutes later oh you have lost a lot of blood keeps cleaning me up starts stitching me up. you've lost a lot of blood and for about three, I think three or four times in total, this really concerned nurse in a hospital in Luton on a Friday night is telling me with varying degrees of concern, increasing degrees of concern, how much blood I've lost. So that was <laughs> quite a worry. But apart from that, injury wise, I didn't really have much apart from the usual knocks and bumps and all that up until December last year, where I managed to mess up my ankle ligaments and knee ligaments by dragging my foot on the canvas halfway through a spinning bowel bomb something I've done God knows how many times. And it was just that, I don't know, miscalculation, misstep, kind of, you know, half second out on timing and yeah, put myself out for three months. He's always the really stupid ones that get you. Yeah. So you invented the sunset flip. I did indeed. Yes. Shoelaces. Their shoelaces were untied. Okay. What are some of your other favorite flips? Some of my other favorite flips. I'm a big fan of the Fosbury flop, if that counts. Because uh, I, I like yes. the fact that yeah, somebody invented them which changed their sport. Flip a flop? You know, what's the differentiation between a flip and a flop? Mm, I, uh, Is it the rotation element? Yeah, I think a flip, you got to go all the way over. Yeah, and a flop's just kind of, you know, round that. But other yeah. flips? Uh, <laughs> any. I do love watching flips. I wish I could do flips. It's always like, you, you know when you get like the terrible Saturday uh, evening variety TV shows? Whenever like the audience are just clapping along like seals and people are doing backflips and stuff like the uh, the swimming one that was on a few years ago, somebody did a styles clash off a uh, diving board and I thought that was the greatest thing that had ever been on television. So yeah, I've not invented many flips, but I have actually enjoyed watching an awful lot. You ever heard of the Thomas Salto? The Thomas Salto, no. It's uh, created by Kurt Thomas. It's um, one of the most famous, infamous flips in gymnastic history. Okay. Uh, it's uh, a double flip with rotation into a forward roll. So wow. Double flip, rotation, forward roll. Uh, it's so dangerous that actually banned in gymnastics after someone was paralyzed after doing it. Is it Thomas Salter? Yeah. I'll definitely have a look for that. Because I know a lot of the stuff Simone Biles has done in her gymnastics career. They've kind of taken, they've said that she can't do it because she's the only person that's able to do it safely. And people trying it have really messed themselves up. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that, brilliant. Anything where, like... It's a bit like the girl did the uh, backflipping ice skating. Like, yes. Like, well, going backwards, it's like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Even though you can do it, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. If, if there's... Yeah, that reaction <laughs> like that, just... Ugh, that that whole body wince. That means that it's a terrible, terrible thing to watch. Got your specialist subject in. Uh, 80s wrestling. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it the greatest era of wrestling? Or do For the... me, yeah. That late 80s, early 90s era is definitely above, like, the Attitude Era or then, you know, any subsequent ones as well. Because I just think, like, it's bias and it's a lot of it nostalgia but for me it's that is the era you know everything was larger than life it was real life superheroes and um yeah it just for me that was the absolute tippity top era and also got boy bands yes indeed i have the uh the most manly taste in music so if all the boy bands in history of the world were put into an yes. elimination clockwork orange cage match of death wow who's leaving first and who's winning the whole thing Win the whole thing would be 17 because <laughs> you know if, if we're basing it on looks they were the world's ugliest boy band and therefore probably the most hard but uh yeah they, they were probably first and then they do come from walthamstow i mean jesus four guys that look like they'd come and uh do a terrible job of um putting up a new conservatory we did really well for themselves and <laughs> Well, Brian obscure, Harvey did run over himself. Um, obscure British bands, I'm thinking. He did. And a fun, I, I don't know if I can say this, so I don't know if uh, it'd have to be cut or not. I, I have to go now. My planet needs me. That's 
that's censoring it enough. <laughs> but yes, losing out first, I'd say North and South because they were a CBBC boy band going that obscure. I've never even heard of them. Ah, they did a great song called No Sweat. <laughs> and I think they were the first concert I ever saw at one of those CBBC kids teenager exhibition things in like 1994 95 north and south no sweat i, I i'm kind of that's getting it. a memory of that you know so that, that's that's it let's see if we can get a, a little snippet something like na 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 no sweat <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that sounds fucking awful okay so next question most important <laughs> one when the world ends yes where do you want to be and what will be the way you want it to go? Ooh. Well, when the world ends, how do I want it to go? See, I was thinking over the last couple of weeks, Big Vlad would, would bring in the nuclear apocalypse, but uh, I think his nukes aren't going to exactly be be like that. And I think it will go out with a whimper rather than a bang, having thought about it. I just think it, it's... Uh, Everything's just going to be exhausted and the world's just going to go, no, and just fade out. So where do I want to be? Somewhere high. Watch the whole thing. Somewhere high with all of my loved ones and uh, just watch it. Watch it go. Just as we all kind of, you know, like in Avengers when there's the snap. Just something like that. Everything just kind of fades to dust. <laughs> now, when you say high, do you mean high up or high? High, like altitude, you know. Top of a tall building or something Almost. like that, despite me. Yeah, yeah, somewhere like that. See, if this was a zombie apocalypse show, I have got, I've been more prepared for that than anything else in adult life. So I, I could probably wax lyrical about that for <laughs> uh, for hours on end. I spent most of my time in university prepping for that. I was watching a lot, a lot of Walking Dead. Oh, right. Time to get the tins, time to get the water. <laughs> yes, it's a zombie apocalypse. Into the loft. <laughs> Are in here. We'll find out after this advert break. So do you have your socials to hand? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So good evening. Welcome. My name is Santa Skip. You can find me at Find Santa Skip. And this is the FN Show. You can find us on all good podcasting networks. Nice one. Okay, so that's Siren. Uh, usually at this point, we have an extensive story about how the world is about to end. My notes, they just say Vladimir Putin. <laughs> it seems appropriate. Yeah, very topical. timely. Uh, you don't have time to wonder what he did, however, as you have been to board a spaceship and a voice comes over the speakers. I am the Black Knight, the celestial being that has orbited the Earth since the beginning of time. We have witnessed cataclysmic events for centuries, and every time it has happened, it's usually the bald guy with the tiny eyes that does it. <laughs> Never trust them. Hold on. <laughs> tiny eyes. Tiny eyes, yeah. And when he does what we have taken it upon ourselves to say one member of that race that's facing impending extinction, and this time that is you. You are that person. You've been gifted your own starship. It's pretty neat. It's got an AI assistance program to help pilot the craft out of the way of any dangers it may come across, and it's 100% infallible. Yes. Mm. It's an unlimited supply of sustenance in the form of an odourless and tasteless food and vitamin pills, a water recycling tool that changes waste, 100% reusable, but again, tasteless liquid. It's also fitted with a stasis bed, so you won't grow old as you seek out that new land to call home. And in the bowels of the ship are 20 black human clones to get the human race up and running again. Try not to have sex with any of them. Oh, well, you know, times are tough, you know, any <laughs> port in a storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, screen in front of you blinks. Okay, can you enter your name? Yes, Sunset Skip. S-U-N-S-E-T, new word, S-K-I-P. I've spelt it right, and I'll press enter. Enter the ship's name. What do you want it to be called? Rodney, R-O-D-N-E-Y. Just because it will make me smile every time I say it. Do you want the Rodney or just Rodney? Just Rodney, yeah. Rodney. <laughs> Who would you like your onboard computer to look and sound like? Who motivates you? You can mix uh... and voice and looks... I'm going to be completely soft and soppy and say my son. Your son. He motivates you. Yes, he does indeed. And I think that would give me a bit of sanity and a bit of relief. Just, uh, you know, having him tell me things, especially if it was, you know, if it had the rationale of a three-year-old as well, that would be quite good as well. 
It's true. I think an AI with the uh, rationale of a three-year-old would be exceptionally uh, interesting. <laughs> for the next part, you have you have uh, about 20, 30 minutes to decide on six things to take with you from Earth. They can be anything. Except now the humans, you must remain a pure and perfect snowflake. Oh, perfect. 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 <laughs> so which things, six things are you taking? Okay. Now, I, I initially was thinking end of the world, like a complete post-apocalyptic thing. So I've changed a couple on the fly. But the first thing I would take would be uh, a dog. As I think companionship, sanity, and that genuine affection that you'd have. So a dog would be the first thing that I think would be uh, an essential companion on such a trip. He's a popular choice. Uh, what type of dog are you after? Um, I was thinking then, the one that jumped into my head was a French bulldog. It's not my favorite breed of dog, but for some reason it jumped into my head. So if I were to really kind of deeply think, I would have a recreation of my childhood dog, which was a uh, Alsatian and Border Collie. No, not Border Collie. He was um, a Red Setter and Alsatian Cross, and he was massive. And he had lovely dark colouring with ginger bits. So, yeah, either a French Bulldog or a recreation of my childhood dog. You can have both. No, two dogs is a lot of effort, a lot of poo. <laughs> And I wonder if, you know, with the uh, the tasteless mulch that would be taken and created into sustenance from droppings, would that add a bit of variety? But that's not a question that I'm worrying too much. I think they make it so it's a, a solid. So I would say I will go with the French Bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> French Bulldog. Okay. And you got a name for that one or...? I would call it, and again, this is, uh, we saw a French bulldog in uh, the rescue shelter a few years back, and the name Luna, I thought was really adorable. So, and, you know, seeing as we've got the space theme as well, I think Luna would be uh, would be quite a good thing to have there. Slightly wrestling based. Absolutely, yes, for Sean. Ah, let's hope it isn't a mad dog. <laughs> okay, <laughs> second choice. This would be pure nerd time extensive wrestling library anything that i could ever want to watch from wrestling vod service so essentially the wwe network before they sold it to peacock <laughs> you can have anything you want so do you want the like the network where you can watch anything you want on it or would you like custom arenas like you can have madison square garden and it being played out in front of you with robotic versions Ooh. of the wrestlers you can have an entire Ooh. roster of wrestlers yes Let's go for that. Let's go for live theatre. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought it would just be, you know, I'm thinking more the film Passengers with Chris Pratt. I'm thinking that sort of scenario where you might have a couple of like cybernetics, but if if I can have everything so that it's, you know, live and in the flesh, that changes everything. Yeah, it's like computer programs, holograms to do the stuff in front of you. You can actually watch it with a holographic crowd or that crowd that was in the thing now. Wow, that would be great. Okay, all the wrestling ever. Yes, that's it. <laughs> okay, and third item. This is a, probably a bit of a weird and wacky one, but access to something, even if it's a simulation, some sort of outdoor environment that could change. So being able to go for a walk, because during lockdown, I hated that I could only walk around, you know, 30 minutes from my house. It drove me absolutely nuts because I like going for a wander. I always have. So being able to go to a simulated walking zone and it would be different climates, different biomes, depending on my mood. Something like that would be absolutely great. So it could be one day I'm walking on a beach situation. The other, I could be walking through, you know, a busy city or, uh, you know, it could be, I don't know, if I'm uh, giving specific yes, beach in Abu Dhabi, or I could be walking through uh, Barcelona on another day or something like that. So being able to kind of have those uh, living recreations of different places that I could walk through would be great, even though it would be, very much just the simulation rather than being able to to do the real thing i suppose technically you could have uh you know like they have the um open world games with the unreal engine of like grand theft auto as recreations of la and new york kind of sort of was it san francisco yes like the big sandbox kind of thing. yeah like yeah their own yeah. versions of it that's the word i don't do gaming that much so <laughs> the sandbox games have that so I, you could I, possibly have that yeah. So you can have it programmed. <laughs> so you can put a beach of from Abu Dhabi in London almost. Brilliant. 
yeah, just turn the corner from turn the corner from Trafalgar Square and end up on Yas Beach, and <laughs> that'd be quite cool. Unreal Engine sandbox environmental simulator. Yeah, that's that's probably got to be one simulator. of the weirdest ones. Or holodeck. We could simplify it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Item number four. Now, if the only foodstuffs allowed would be the talent, uh, talentless. <laughs> I'm thinking of people rather Freudian. than the food, yeah. <laughs> we said earlier about kind of, uh, you know, true feelings to people. But yes, uh, instead of the tasteless mulch, I would be desperate to take any sort of flavor. So ketchup, I'm thinking like in the Matrix where... Um, uh, Neo was talking to Cypher, and uh, sorry, no, Cypher was talking to the uh, to the bad guys. God, it's been that long since I watched it. And he says, "I know I'm not eating this. I know it's not real, but this steak." He has that whole kind of monologue about that. So, I'm not even a massive fan of tomato ketchup, but I just think something to preserve a bit of sanity. So, a bottle of tomato ketchup would be uh, a particularly interesting thing to uh, to have. You'd look forward to it and ration it. Isn't that weird that tomato ketchup was something where I think, yeah, I'll take that with me. <laughs> it's, I think we've had certain things like that. We had chip spice before, which is similar. Yeah. Something just to flavor something. That's it. Almost that kind because, of, you know, taste is one of those big things for, uh, you know, kicking in those memories, taste and smell. So item number five. Item number five. <laughs> this is probably going to be one of the oddest ones, but also not at the same time. Uh, infinite supply of scented candles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain that one. <laughs> so if, you sp- <laughs> if you're spending forever on this same musty spaceship, you're going to want to have some sort of aroma coming in that's not just musty spaceship. And there will, I presume there's going to be a fairly high-spec air conditioning and everything like that, but you'll still need something on there because you're not going to have fresh air rolling through for for the rest of eternity and I, I presume this sentient version of myself has all of my senses so he would have some sort of sense of smell and you know you just want things to smell nice you know a little a little pine freshness maybe some mahogany teakwood just every so often so some uh, some scented candles would be nice or some wax burners you know I uh, I appreciate in that sort of scenario there might be limits to what I could have so scented candles wax burning <laughs> and it adds to my you know the macho image of a pro wrestler that I'd uh, I'd want scented candles to be uh, <laughs> to be the uh, the essential things. I have a guess. Number six is a uh, very foamy bath. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've kind of superseded anything else I was going to go for because you can't beat a good bath, can you? <laughs> Especially scented candles and tomato ketchup. That's so it. number six, what's your final item? <sighs> final item. Now this is probably the sentimental one it would be photos or uh thinking like the futuristic sort of thing you know minority report where tom cruise has got like the short video replays of like key moments for this family and his son so great film it's actually no great concept average film weird actor um but uh yeah that would be something like that where you could almost be you know how we said with the uh wrestling being in the moment so you could be in that moment in that role for for that short period of time lots of holographic stuff then yeah there is but i think again (laughs) this is where i'm kind of drawing on you know recent films that have made me think of it passengers made me think of that whole idea you know with uh chris pratt essentially killing somebody because he fancied her which is uh, you know, a really, really weird way to think about it. But I remember watching it with my other <laughs> half, and that's what she leaned over and said after about you know five minutes of them being together. She went, he's killed her just because he fancies her. Oh, right, that's kind of put a whole darker spin on the movie. <laughs> he is Chris Pratt, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you have taken a French Bulldog yes. called Luna. All the wrestling ever. Yes. Madison Square Garden holographic display, a uh, sandbox style environmental simulator, yes, slash hollow deck, tomato ketchup, <laughs> scented candles, yes, and photos slash short videos slash hollow displays of family yes, and indeed. moments in life. Okay, you like to press enter on that one? 
enter. Oh dear. Okay, if you read the terms and conditions on the AI computer, which I didn't mention at the start because I'm like that, you'd have seen there it does require you playing some games of it before it lets you have these items. Oh dear. So, are you ready to play a game? Yes. Or no, depending on the outcome. <laughs> Maybe. So, a correct answer allows you to choose which of the six items you want to take with you. You get two attempts at most of the questions, as I've always specified. The first question is always a multi-parter. This one is based around your knowledge of 80s wrestling. So are you feeling confident in your choice of lead specialist subject now? I am hoping so. I'm hoping it's not too obscure. Okay, you'll get eight multiple choice questions. Get five of them right and you get to take an item. Get more than that and you win bonus guesses at later questions. So in the 1987 WWF 5 on 5 Survivor Series main event match, who was the only survivor? 1987 sole survivor. The 5 and 5 Survivor Series main event match. Was it Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, or King Kong Bundy? You only get one guess at this. All these questions. Must be Hogan. It was the era of Hogan must pose. You're saying Hogan? Yes. Survey says... Incorrect. It's Andre the Giant. No way. 87 was the one where Hogan went out halfway through the match, leaving only Bam Bam Bigelow versus King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant. (sighs) Yes. And one man gang. They pretty much got off to the end, putting Bam Bam over until Hogan politicked. Uh... Did his usual thing. So that's one wrong. Also in the 1987 Survivor Series event, which of these teams did not survive till the end of the huge 10 team match? Was it the Killer Bees, Strike Force, or the Young Stallions? Which of these teams did not survive to the end? So which teams did not survive to the end? Strike Force. Strike Force, survey says. Woohoo! Oh, that was a huge clusterfuck of a match. 10 teams, 20 men. It reminds me of that RBW clusterfuck trainee match. Oh my God, was that one I refereed? Yes. Wowza. And I, I, do you remember I'd uh, had a car crash about four days before? <laughs> I had my hand massively wrapped up. Like all, it wasn't in a cast, but it was essentially in like a soft car. <laughs> God, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. What was it? 10 trainees, Survivor Series rules. And it went 45 minutes. I was going to say it went almost an hour. And I was desperately trying to get everyone on because I didn't really know what I was doing either then. I'd only been doing it a year or two myself. So, yeah, it was, it was wrong. No one knew. Someone should <laughs> just walked out and like, take it home. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1987, still, in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which wrestler won Rookie of the Year? Kurt Hennig, Owen Hart, or Scott Hall? I'm fairly sure Hennig debuted quite a lot earlier than that. Uh, Owen Hart. Yes. My initial guess was uh, going to be Brian Pillman, but I'm sure he didn't start until 89-90. Yeah, I think he was a bit later. So in 1984, at the WWS Biggest Show of the Year, the brawl to end it all, who did Hulk Hogan defend his WWF world title against? Was it the Iron Sheik? Was it Antonio Inoki? Or was it Greg the Hammer Valentine? I am going to go with Sheiky baby. Iron Sheik? Yes. No. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oh, oh denied. <laughs> the Antonio Noki was actually on the show that night. He won a 20-man battle royal at the end of the night. Yeah. The main event for that show was actually a woman's title match, Wendy Richter versus with Cindy Lauper defeating Moolah. Wow. Yep. Was that before? Must have been before, obviously, Moolah did the uh, the whole spider screw job thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's when they had a... Uh, well, Cindy Lauper said it was the big MTV thing. Mm. So they got the main event billing for the night. Mm. So that night, Fabulous Moolah lost the title, putting an end to her reign. How long did that last for? Was it seven years, 16 years, or 28 years? 28 years. Yes. Who do you reckon was in charge of the women's title? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was it? Uh, I don't think it was the Dark Side of the Ring documentary on Moolah, but it was something similar. And it was like just the stranglehold she had on women's wrestling from 
the 50s through to the mid late 80s was was insane and you know terrifying yeah i think it was the um, dark side of the ring mm. not seen the new season of that but yeah there's there's some really good episodes yeah there's some really not great ones as well yeah that first season as well they've always got one person on the show which is a bit yeah that's a bit too much yeah yeah the xpw one on the last series was the uh one which was like oh this is yeah xpwg's a bit salacious yeah bottom of the barrel which of these wrestlers wasn't a heenan family member in the wwf the brooklyn brawler paul roma or the barbarian paul roma correct the glory in power and glory <laughs> it was a four horsemen though he was Amazingly. arguably the worst <laughs> Somehow worse than Mongo. Yeah. And Paul Roma's one of these guys who, on paper, you're like, yeah, that's a star. He's an absolutely like stud pro wrestler. And then you're like, the what is it? The sum isn't equal to sorry, the parts aren't equal to the sum or whatever that phrase is. Had all the things to make a star, but yeah, yeah. Okay, Starcade '89, Future Shock. There were twelve matches on the main card. How many wrestlers featured on the event overall? Twelve matches. I'm going to say there was at least a. At least a couple of tags, probably a six man, maybe a battle royale. So I'm going to go with, and I'm going to give it to you if you get close within five. You've got a handicap of five on this one, or was it one where there was a tournament? 14. Thanks for the handicap I gave you. Yes, it was actually 12. Oh. Ah. <laughs> It was a uh, round-robin tournament, four singles and four tag teams. Because initially you think 12 matches, you're like, okay, there's going to be 24 and then a couple of tags. Okay, that's going to be 28, maybe a six-man tag, 32, and then thought, ah, is it a bit of a curveball? Yeah, amazing. It's like the, the biggest show of the year and they had 12 wrestlers on it. Brilliant. John Freeman would be proud of that. <laughs> okay. Of those four singles wrestlers, who wasn't one of them? Was it Lex Luger, The Great Muta, Terry Funk, or Sting? Who wasn't one of the singles wrestlers? Mm. I'm going to go for another curveball and say Terry Funk. Correct. Well, hey. Okay, you got six out of eight there, which means you get one bonus answer, and you get to yes. take an item. So which item are you taking? First item, it will be the family hologram gimmicky thing Family hologram gimmicky thingy so next question you have two answers and a bonus answer if you wish to use it Ooh. comedy movies bit of a broad subject so i've tried to figure something out um yeah. what's the greatest comedy of all time in your opinion greatest comedy of all time in my opinion you know what one that's like sprung into my head national lampoon's animal house good call it, it's it set that whole kind it, it i mean I'm a product of my time. So that kind of late 90s, early 2000s, American Pie, Anchorman, the frat pack sort of movies, they were the things I absolutely loved. But they all stemmed from that Animal House uh, era of movies. Um, yeah, so that's that's one that, you know, is one of the greatest, most influential comedies as well. That, uh, that Yeah, that's sprung to mind straight away. I won't watch that now. Caddyshack as well. Can I put a 1A, 1B? Caddyshack and Animal House. Okay. So I've got Ghostbusters here. Yes. Great comedy. Some people may not call it fully a comedy. I don't know. Yeah. Bit science fiction y. Yeah. Bit, bit, bit faction y. Yeah. But can you name all four of the original Ghostbusters? Yes. Four names Egon Stance. Sorry. No. Egon Spengler. Ray Stance, Peter Venkman, Winston Zedmore. Correct. Can I have bonus points for uh, Janine Melnitz and Lewis Tully? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's the Gordy Weaver character called? Uh, Dana. Uh, what is her surname? That's completely escaped my head. I was going to say Dana White, and that is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it is Dana. Uh, and her son in Ghostbusters 2 is Oscar. Dana Barrett. There you go. Dana Barrett, there we go. Useless fact, I know, from doing this quiz show. The son in the Ghostbusters 2 was actually played by John Denver's nephew, I believe. Ha! No way. But that is another correct answer. Another Ooh. item. 
next item. I will go for a dog for actual like physical companionship. I know I've got the uh, the twenty clones for some point or another, but I don't know something that's an actual intelligent being and doesn't require me to try and repopulate Earth with it. Never know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> never know where this story is going. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy movie. 1999 for your third question what comedy movie was originally titled east great falls high american pie only once you said that was one of your favorites that was going to get answered <laughs> okay third item third item let's go for the uh sandbox hall oh no if i pick the sandbox holodeck no you pick the photos Yes, Sandbox Holodeck, please. Do you know what it was called before East Great Falls High? Oh, was it something like Untitled Teen Sex Comedy or something <laughs> stupid like that? Untitled Teen Sex Comedy that can be made for under $10 million, which studio readers will likely hate, but I think you'll love. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. Yep. <laughs> That's how things got made. I remember... Uh, do you remember Team America World Police? Again, a film which is very of its time now. When um, apparently they the studio plunged a fortune into it. And when they saw the first scene, um, one of the executives went, oh my God, they've completely fucked us <laughs> by seeing the first scene. And then it turned out, you know, actually it was really well done. Super, super Marion, super marionation <laughs> rather than the, uh, the shonky looking stuff at the beginning. <laughs> Next question. Boy bands. Yes. What's your favorite boy band song or songs? Uh, top three. Oh, okay. Top three. It's got to be Backstreet's Back, iconic. Um, Even though I've got to say that's solid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with uh, Stay Another Day, E17, the world's ugliest boy band, the world's ugliest <laughs> song. And, oh man, it's tough nailing down to three, but let's go for a slightly more obscure A1, Summertime of Our Lives. <laughs> I do not know that one, but. It's, it's no north and south. No <laughs> Very few things can be. <laughs> so, boy bands. Which band has sold more albums out of these four? New Kids on the Block, One Direction, Take That, or The Osmonds? Osmonds. Killing it. Do you know how many they sold? Three and a half million. 13 and a half million. Keep going. 27 million. Keep going. 75 million. Keep going. Wow. 104 <laughs> million. It's only a little past 70, 35. It's 77 million they've sold. Wow. And I think my mama has half of them. <laughs> so the Osmonds sold 77 million albums, but they're the second biggest selling boy band of all time. Who's the only boy band with more sales than them? Have I got multiple choice or is it just a, a single answer? Uh, no multiple choice, one. I'd say they're a boy band on a technicality, but the Beatles? Yeah, well, the Beatles. Ooh. That's a wrong one. Got another guess at that one. Uh, I don't know if I'm sticking sticking with the same era as a bad idea or not, but the, the Monkees. Ah. No. And you have got that one bonus guess. Do you want to use it? No, I'll save that. I'll, I'll store that for an emergency question. You did get the boy bands. Uh, which one has sold more out of those four? So you've got an item there to choose still. Yeah. And you've got a sacrifice one as well. So one to keep, one to lose. I will sacrifice ketchup. Sacrificing ketchup. And which one are you taking? Uh, you've got all the wrestling ever and scented candles. Let's go with all of the wrestling ever because that's a lot of time. I've seen some of my matches. They go on forever. <laughs> and the boy band with the most sales ever are the Backstreet Boys. Ah, that's a surprise. Over 100 million records sold worldwide. Good Lord. That is insane. And your final question. Abu Dhabi. Yes. Why did you move there? Uh, I got offered a, a day job there. So I needed a few changes in life and, you know, things uh, things happened in the private and personal life and i thought you know i need a, need a big change and i'd always fancied working overseas and um in the span of 10 days i'd gone from sending out an email to an agency thinking well, i might speak to them and get an interview out of it to practice my interviews because 
I wanted to uh, move on. And in the span of 10 days, it was like, right, you're moving out in the summer. Oh, cool. Because initially, I was like, I, I wouldn't mind moving to Japan. I've always wanted to visit Japan. So I thought, you know what? If somebody could pay me to go there for a while. And this job in Abu Dhabi just came up out of the blue. And I thought, yep, go along. I haven't had a job interview for a while because I've been in the same job for five, six years at that point. And I thought, no, it'll be okay to get a bit of interview experience and get back in there. And then lo and behold, I got offered this job and uh, away I went. Nice. Always the ones you don't expect to get. Absolutely. And then funnily enough, I uh, met my other half just a couple of months after that. And yeah, she stuck with us with a long distance thing. Nice one. So Abu Dhabi, known for its heat and money. Mm-hmm. Silly money. It's home to a rich bloke called Saeed Abdul Gofal Khoury. Nailed that. <laughs> He's probably got lots of money in oil of gold. Uh, but he's also a collector of the most expensive license plates in the world, one of which he paid one uh, $14.3 million for. So this license plate costs $14.3 million. What was the plate's number? One. Uh, no. Or was it? Oh, I remember seeing this because it was in the news when I was over there. And I want to say it was either number one or there was another number which got importance to the UAE and I can't think, or it was either one or 72. Not 80085. If only. 8008I8135. Okay, so which one are you for? Yeah, I'm going to go with one. You sure? No. 72. Are you going for 72? No. You sure? Is it eight zero zero eight five? Ah, let's go for one or sixty nine. <laughs> it's it's a moderate country, so it won't be sixty nine or boobs. You going for one then? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Fake out didn't work. You got your scented candles. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of that. Quite successful round. Woo. You have Luna, the French Bulldog. All the wrestling ever. Yep. Sandbox environmental simulator. Scented candles and photos, short videos of the family in holographic displays you can interact with almost. Yes, indeed. Okay, lots of stuff there. But unfortunately, we have... Oh, no. Shit's happened. We'll find out what after this break. Wonderful. Visit TotalCultZone.com for all our stuff, all the social media links, all the show links, links to our buy me a coffee thing. I buy us a fucking coffee for once, you bastards. Leave us a review. Um, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, my art's on there as well. Look at it. It's great. It's dirty, but it's great. TotalCultZone.com All your FKing show needs and desires. Thank you. And we're back. And this is the part where I get my dice out. Six things that could happen. Oh. Now, did you know I actually moved across the world based on the roll of a dice? No, I didn't. Yeah. At that point, I was doing a lot of things based on the roll of a dice. So if it was a one, it was a terrible idea. And I let fate decide and it moved up in, you know, positive increments from there. And I thought, should I do this? And I rolled a six and I thought, yep, that's a pretty good sign from the universe. <laughs> okay. Ooh, Jeff Bezos has managed to escape earth as well in his cock and ball shaped ship. <laughs> it unfortunately hit your ship as it reached orbit and knocked loose two of your human clones. Oh no. You have a minute to decide on who you want them to look like before they turn into a fleshy lump in the clone bays. So you've got a minute to decide. Starting now, two human clones. Who are you going to turn them into? Uh, Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, so I could watch them slowly squish into oblivion. You get to stay with these clones. Oh, ah, okay. I thought it was... But you've got Donald Trump and Boris Johnson now. Ah, see, I, I misheard <laughs> the question there. So... So that's going to be an adventure. You have Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. I can well punch done. them lots. That'd be, no, actually, you know, I'm going to stick with that because I could, uh, I could probably, uh, you know, bring the violence towards them. You know, <laughs> recap years of uh, wrestling moves onto them. Plenty of sheer drop brainbusters and you know, 
open leg pile drivers onto them both. So yeah, you know what? It was it was a happy accident there. I'll stick with that. I said what I said. Yep, and your computer AI system will do exactly what you say all Absolutely. times. Well, I don't know. It's a belligerent three year old. So uh, <laughs> that is. If, if I provide it a snack, it will do what I ask it. So you, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, all settling to the ship with some scented candles in the background. <laughs> And a dog at your side. Uh, now you get a selfie in a journey. But just before we leave Earth, the Black Knight opens up all the speakers on every available audio device for you to give your farewell speech. And you get to play one song to broadcast the rest of humanity as it finally, thankfully, ends at the hands of a idiotic madman with tiny eyes. So what song are you going to choose to see the world out on? This is the end by the doors. Who's going to go with stay another day? Uh, ah, that would be excellent. <laughs> or some, or so, ah, see, I'm, I'm thinking quite poignant. However, yeah, stay another day, or even, uh, you know, Backstreet's back. Yeah, I want it that way. <laughs> you know, show me the, uh, show me the meaning of being lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye by the Spice Girls. That would be amazing. Goodbye. You going with that one? Yeah, let's go with Goodbye by the Spice Girls. Make a mess of my algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculously loud version on YouTube oh, there you fabulous. go so as this is playing the nukes are flying I want to give you a farewell speech what would I give for my farewell speech I'm not one for great speeches despite having been a best man at many times and, and speaking professionally for a living however it would be uh, stand there look everybody long, longingly in the eyes and say I wish you well in your future endeavours. <laughs> Thumbs up and off I'd go. <laughs> it just works. That's all she wrote. <laughs> all I'd like to say is totalcoatzone.com for the FK Show social medias, blogs and links. Be nice, buy us a coffee, drop us a review, share us with your friends, your family, your work colleagues, anyone who likes a bit of nihilistic fun. Fkinghello at gmail.com for hate mail, grundle picks and suggestions on where we should take these stories. Rich is currently in space with Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. So there's lots of space to move there. I'm I open to not. suggestions. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs> Filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was getting into it. I was grooving. Next week, we get tyrannical with Kevin Ryan of Tyrants and Training. Like Kurt Cobain is still alive. And for the last 30 years, he's been working against the deep, evil, gay, Muslim, socialist, communist agenda. He's doing it right now. It's happening. I can feel I can feel the, the ground under me moving as Kurt Cobain uses his guitar to strum the chords that will move the island, etc. I think that way, you, you know, that, that's, um, that's how you get people. Yeah.